Hello everyone and welcome back to Football Weekly. In this podcast we'll be discussing what has happened in the world of football in the past seven days. As usual, I'm joined by co-host Josh Sykes. You alright? Uh, and unfortunately, Henry Charlton will once again not be joining us this week due to the entire coronavirus outbreak. Don't worry, he's not got it. That sounds like he's got it. He has not got it. He is just um, a bit wary right now, of course. Um, but yeah, this week, however, we are, might be having a few more audio problems because as it's our first week in... Uh, self not self-isolation, what's it called? Lockdown. We will be um, trying to record over Skype. However, Josh's audio might sound a bit dodgy, whereas mine might sound a bit more louder than his, if that makes sense. So, yeah, we can only apologise about that. It will get better as the weeks come. Uh, but we're going to talk about the coronavirus to um, start off with this week, because that's obviously the main topic going on in football, as our football has been postponed for the time being. Um, in positive news, the coronavirus, we have seen that um, Nottingham Forest owner, I've got, I don't, shall I try his name? Evangelos Marinakis? Uh, has come back well, as well, I don't know. Thank you very much. He's come back as tested as negative now after being originally tested as positive. He said his treatment has come from Greece, so could Greece be where we find the um, well the treatment from? Hopefully, but uh, yeah, that's really good news about Nottingham Forest owner because um, obviously, as an older man, his life was probably in danger. But to see him recover from that is really good. It is. It's uh, it's nice. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, people that have it just ship them off to Greece. Yeah, well, all right, that's a bit dodgy. <laughs> um, I was also, Michael Arteta said he's feeling a lot better, which is also good to see. Uh, maybe he's also had similar treatment in Greece, but we can't be certain that he said he's recovered. However, obviously, he's not been tested negative as of yet. Uh, in more depressing news, unfortunately, there has been a few more players who have been tested negative. Um, who were they? I completely forgot. Paolo Dybala and his wife, as well as Marouane Fellaini. No, yeah. Um, but obviously, there'll be a lot more players than that, but then there were just two that just have stood out to us as um, football fans. Yeah, obviously, it's a real shame. We don't want to be seeing people getting diagnosed with coronavirus, but um, I mean, if it's going to affect their, affect their personal lives, like if Dybala's going to get it from Rugani or whoever had it before him, then obviously, chance the entire event this team has got. And if he's giving it on to his wife, it's mental how quickly it spreads and um, how dangerous it is now. I mean, it's, it's real shame, to be honest, real shame. Uh, but yeah, there's not really much else we can say right now. We obviously, you, you can re- look back at our two previous podcasts because basically we just rant on about the coronavirus for about half an hour in each of them. So if you really want to hear about more about that, check out our two previous ones. Uh, a lot of football clubs have been doing stuff about it, uh, like spreading awareness on their social medias and telling, giving people advice from the NHS on what to do, which is really good to see, obviously, how the world of football has really come together since it started. And it's just in today that Robert Lewandowski and his wife have donated, I think, around about £1 million to help fight the cause. I mean, yeah, that's great. That's what you want to be seeing from footballers. If you're going to get paid as much as they will get paid, I mean, to fair, £1 million, probably won't, it probably won't be that big of an amount, but still. Well, no, it's like it was announced today that Lionel Messi, he earns about £300,000 a day. <laughs> exactly, that's nice mental. Uh, but yeah, that's really nice of Lewandowski. I think I saw where it... Dries Mertens or someone like that from Napoli or someone. I can't remember. I saw an Italian football donated uh, a large amount as well to um, help fight the cause. And was it Ronaldo did something? He um, turned his hotels... Uh, hotels into hospitals type of thing, but that's, like, he's a bit iffy. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, oh, another thing, actually. Uh, I don't know which, which is which, but I've, I think it was Gary Neville. <laughs> but um, he uh, has turned the hotels, which he owns in, um, in England. In, Hotel football. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Hotel football. All right, he's turned his hotel football. What? <laughs> anyway, into um, into um, places where the NHS workers can stay if they're um, tired and rest and get well, get better for um, what's coming, which is obviously great of him. I think he's doing it all free of charge as well, which is so. What you want to say right now? It's it's great to see how the football world has come together throughout this. Uh, have you got anything to add, Josh? Add to add, Josh. 
I hope all our listeners are safe. Yeah, all yeah, obviously. Safe, really. Right as well. I'm sure the five of you will be feeling uh, better knowing that we want you to be safe. Uh, with the lack of football going on right now, uh, well, there's not really much to talk about, unfortunately. So we are going to be talking about uh, fairly, not, I wouldn't say old topic right now, but it was discussed uh, back in around January time with Pep Guardiola. Um, talks of the League Cup either being scrapped or turning into more of a British Cup. Uh, Pep Guardiola, what did, what did Pep Guardiola say? Pep Guardiola said um, eliminate competitions. It, it, it may take out the competition, but it won't do because less games means less competitions. So less teams, but that means more quality because there's less quantity. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's, it's saying that by the more competitions they have, the less, um, the more tired players are going to be. Uh, yeah. So well, by taking out the competition, players are going to be more fit for the league and for bigger competitions. Yeah, I mean, it's sorry for a Premier League manager to say that, but you look at teams like down in like League Two, uh, even even non-league clubs. To be fair, where they have to play, uh, they have to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and continuously going like that for a long time. It's, a bit, bit whiny from Pep Guardiola, if I'd say, for him to be an entire competition scrap. But another view was for it to become the British Cup, which was suggested by not only uh, West, Ham, is West Ham manager, David Moyes. West Ham Yeah, West Ham, yeah. yeah. And uh, the UEFA president, Alexander Seferin, said it would be better for everyone if the Cup was scrapped, not just from English teams, but rather to like teams in England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. I think this is, I think this would be a much better way of looking at the Cup because, obviously, uh, well, like, but... There's two ways of looking. Like we, me and Josh were saying before off off record, if you were a Plymouth Argyle fan and you were drawn away at Ross County FC, uh, it will play at the Global Energy Stadium or Victoria Park. It is a, around what was it? Ten hours and what? It's ten hour twelve minutes there and around six hundred and forty six miles. Yeah, so a twenty hour odd round trip just to watch a Plymouth Argyle Leto against. A team who are doing quite poorly in the Scottish Premiership. It, it's not a game you want to go to. However, it would be good experience for, like, say, Carlisle United if they got a team like that. Because obviously, the more northern teams, you know, like Yorkshire teams, they never really get the chance to play those teams in Scotland or even in Wales or even well, obviously Northern Ireland. So it'll be a chance for teams to play other teams that might not have played before, if that makes sense. Like, um, obviously, if you say Bradford City were playing Celtic in a friendly, it's not going to have as much about it if it was a if it was a big cup game. Uh, even if it's played on Tuesday night, obviously, but that's another problem. Obviously, if it was played on Tuesday night, and you had to make these twenty-hour round trips, it's physically impossible. Well, it's <laughs> it's very it's meant- difficult to do in a day. Yeah, yeah, it's pre- it is it'd be shocking. Uh, so you got to look at it that way. Would um, just, how, how you got you got to think more about the fans in this situation? Uh, obviously, there was the example of Liverpool who had to play twice in twenty-four hours. Were it is that right? Twice in 24 hours, he had to play in the Carabao Cup against Aston Villa on the Tuesday and and against God knows who in the Club World Cup semi-final on the Wednesday. So on the Tuesday, they shoved out practically what was their under eight team and then took their first team to Qatar to play in the Club World Cup semi-final on the Wednesday. Yeah, of course. I don't, so, I don't know if they lost in that Club World Cup game. I'm, I'm not too sure. But... No, they didn't. They ended up winning, they ended up winning the Club World Cup. Oh, okay, all right. So they won that game, but obviously they had to sacrifice the league up for that by losing five 0 I think it was to uh, Aston Villa. Oh, yeah, yeah, which is obviously Jurgen Klopp wasn't massively fussed if we're being completely honest. If he's going to be sticking out his youth team, but again, he didn't have a choice. So you got to look at it that way. Uh, I mean, he didn't even tip off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, similar when they uh, had the Shrewsbury Town away game, I think it was. Uh, 
in the I'm not sure if that was ever FA Cup or the League Cup. But Klopp also said he didn't want to go to that. And I think he refused to go to it, which obviously is very disrespectful to teams such as Shrewsbury Town, who are actually the better athletes to get there, by the way. Um, it's very disrespectful to teams like Shrewsbury. Um, for a Premier League manager to say something like that, he just isn't fussed about this competition or going to play those smaller games. Yeah, because... he, did, he did the same against Everton. Liverpool managed to knock out Everton by shoving now they're under 23s team. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Because, that. of, because of congestion. <laughs> You'd hate to be an Everton fan at that point. Uh, but yeah, obviously. You'd hate to be an Everton fan in general. Wait, what? I said you'd hate to be an Everton fan in general. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But, uh, even having a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, you think, oh, we're going to turn our form around, but has it really, has it really happened? Um, we, we, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, we'll, we go, we might discuss that. If we go, no, if we go on to the discussion back onto the British Cup, so to speak, um, one of the arguments for it is that TV companies, you know, if you call it the British Cup, they might be more interested because it might bring in more money, more endorsement and things because it's not just clubs in England, which is practically what the FA Cup is. Mm. You're bringing in teams from elsewhere in Britain as well because, you know, people argue Celtic and Rangers are not giving enough credit for the size of the clubs and you could argue there are maybe two, three clubs in England itself that are actually bigger than them. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, you're not wrong. Uh it's going to be big for those um, small teams, like you say. Like, uh, say, say, oh, all right, we'll go off Plymouth Argyle again. Say they got Celtic were coming to Plymouth Argyle to play. That's going to get huge revenue because Celtic obviously have a massive fan base. They'll get fill up that way and most likely, which, despite the really long journey, it'd be massive for revenue. It could really help a small team like Plymouth, um, their financial situation, financial status. Yeah, it could be. It could make or break a, a club. Really, like look at Macclesfield Town, uh, even Charlton Athletic right now in the Championship, struggling with financial issues. Uh, they. Obviously, need they need money right now, and uh, those massive away games, which could possibly come in if by turning into the British Cup, that could it could really save the club. To be honest with you, it could do, but you could also argue that you also get those type of experiences and those games from playing in the clubs in general, with the likes of you got your Man U, your Man City's, Chelsea's, Arsenal, Newcastle's, or your big clubs and things that are always going to travel in big numbers to away days. You could argue that maybe they give the they also give that argument to bringing in the, the money to the lower league clubs. But if you want yeah. a Celtic or a Rangers, in, you're adding the more clubs in there that will make that journey that will bring in the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we could um, I don't know what I was going to say. Then I'll just I'll start the conversation. And I have no idea where it's going. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's a big it's a big topic. One very good for discussion. Uh, and we'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on it. If you could uh, let us know in the like comments below. Do we have comments? Yeah, we post it on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, put it on Twitter. We, don't, we have no idea, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So what has emerged in the last few days in the absence of football is GiveMeSport.com have decided to rank the 20 club captains for the Premier League based on their stats from this season. So we thought we'd give it a go. Although <laughs> ours aren't quite based on stats because... Well, they're just based on our opinion, really. Yes, yeah, it's completely opinionated. So, None of this is actually like serious. Do not take our opinions as stats or facts, all right? Because it's just literally opinionated, all right? Okay. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, so, starting at number 10, Gabriel, who would Oh, we're going, oh okay. I thought we were going to go. Uh, <laughs> one minute then. <laughs> uh, all right, number 10, I've gone for. Well, this is a bit of a debatable one because we, we chose our captains off of what website was it? Transfer market. Yeah, we chose to do our captains work off of transfer market. And Leicester City's captain, because I've gone for Wes Morgan. 
However, technically, this season, he's not exactly being captain. It's been more Catrice Michael. But um, Adam West Morgan's played 269 games so far in the Premier League. Uh, well, not in the Premier League, sorry, just for Leicester in general. Obviously, he won the Premier League back in that um, that dreamy season under Claudio Ranieri. Uh, in that same season, he won the Premier League PFA Team of the Year. And on top of all that, he only cost Leicester £1 million, which is fair to say. To get a Premier League winning captain, that is a bargain for um, the Foxes right there. Uh, Josh, who have you won for? I've also gone for Wes Morgan and Casper Schmeichel, but I've put them together. Great minds think alike. So, but but I've gone for more Casper Schmeichel. Yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously he's been the ever-present this season. Uh, he's kept 10 clean sheets this season, made 80 saves. He's, um, yeah, he's been an ever-present for Leicester he has, as he has been since. The yeah, one of the best goalkeepers really. in the league, probably. If you're gonna go, off, if you're gonna go off Leicester City's current position and obviously how he's done for the past few years under them, uh, yeah. yeah, obviously they're third in the league and overall I actually think he's a really good keeper and he does keep everything in check and things. But then obviously if you wanted to go for Wes Morgan on the other hand, not made so many appearances this season. No. Um, but when he has played, he's created 88 passes. Two shots, two on target, which isn't the best, but obviously I think he's only played one game this season. Yeah, it's, just, um, it's controversial. One eight, of his, one eight of his aerial duels, but also when he is the captain, you just feel there's something about Leicester. It just kind of brings... Yeah, it he provides those leadership qualities that you uh, yeah. you want from your, def- your defence. Um, moving on to number nine then, uh, Josh, who have you gone for? I've gone for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. Why is that? I have. So I think Arsenal's position in the league is is the ninth, the ninth in the league, and I think Aubameyang is a massive focal point for Arsenal. If you took him out of the team, they'd have lost seventeen goals in the Premier League. Yeah, I think he's one of the top scorers in the Premier League, um, and overall, I think he's a he's just a really good player. But captain wise, I've never really thought of him as being a captain. No, I agree with that. You always thought kind of. Him just being there as the focal point, the man you get the ball to, to kind of progress the play off. Yeah, I don't know if he's got that level of maturity about him. No, I mean, he's definitely got the experience to be a captain. Yeah. But the only reason I put him up there, actually, on the top 10, is just because of his stats this season and what he does actually bring to the team. And I feel that since he's taken the armband, he has taken quite a large chunk of responsibility. Because in the day, Arsenal's a big club. Yeah. And you've got all the pressure of the fans after what happened with Granny Xhaka, and I think he's taken it well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As um, on to my number nine though, I've gone for a, a bit of a different direction. Josh has gone for attacker. I've gone for a defender. Uh, I have gone for. By the way, breaking news: Bundesliga's coronavirus suspension is just extending to April thirtieth. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've oh gone God. for a Wolves defender, Connor Cody. Uh, obviously, Wolves seventh in the league. Though. Is that right? No, no. Actually, that could be wrong. Yeah. I know they've got the seventh best defence in England. Oh, Luke. They've got seven, apparently got the seven best defence in England. Josh actually told me that stuff, so thank you to him. Um, he's played 184 games for the Wolves. Uh, he state, also stated on, he's made a, made a statement in the past few days where he's looking out. He said he's in contact with those Wolves players who are currently suffering with the coronavirus and how he's looking out for them, which is exactly the leadership qualities you want to be seen from your, your man at the back, your absolute brick wall, and who attackers walk right through. He's just a great player, and I think since his Liverpool days, he's really come a long way. He's matured a lot as a player. He's um, shown how he's he's just a leader and he's exactly what you want from your uh, Premier League team who are challenging for Europe, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a great captain and that's why I put him at number nine. 
Um, and obviously controversial, I haven't actually put a Bamian into my number 10 whatsoever. Uh, it probably would be number 11, though, to be fair to him. Uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, so, right, so moving on to number eight, I have gone for Hugo Lloris, but I've also pinned him up with Harry Kane due yeah. to Kane taking the armband for more games this season due to injury. Now, for me personally, I don't like Lloris. <laughs> I, think he's, I, think, I think he's clumsy. Um, and I think he's made several mistakes this season that have led to goals. Like This season, he's only kept two clean sheets. Uh, yeah, but now, he, he's a world-class two, goalkeeper on his day. On his day, yes, but two clean sheets. I understand that he's only made 12 appearances this season, mm. but he's, he's not been on form really for the last season, this, this season. I think since his World Cup hype. Yeah. He's just kind of gone downhill. So for me personally, I'm actually putting Larice and Kane up there, mainly because of Harry Kane. Yeah, Harry Kane. Yeah, I, I mean, think, captain of England as well. I think he's captain of England. He's Tottenham's talisman. Ten goal, eleven goals. Sorry, in the Premier League this season. When he's been suffering from injury as well. Yeah, he, he, I just think Kane's a he's a really good player. He's definitely a role model for everyone everyone involved. Yeah. And for me personally, he is a really, really good captain who deserves not only the England armband, but I think he deserves the Tottenham armband off the race. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think he deserves it too. If you're going to be captain of your country, you have to be captain of your club, you'd imagine. Larice is the captain of France. Ah, 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 well, there you go. All right. Um, <laughs> in my number, was that eight? Eight, yeah? Eight? Uh, yeah. Yeah, number eight. I've gone for um, Aston Villa Bomb and Jack Grealish. Um, the reason I put, I've put him quite low down is only made 100... Well, I say only. <laughs> compared to the other players in this list, he's only made 149 appearances for the villains. Uh, obviously, he had that whole controversial last season where he was punched by a Birmingham City fan uh, and they went on to score in the same game just to... I mean, you love that as a player who probably... I think... I'm pretty sure he supports Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, it's his ear. Yeah, lifelong Aston Villa fan. To go to <laughs> your closest rivals, get punched by one of their fans and then go on to score and win the game... Captain in your side, that must be a great feeling. I think out of a very disappointing Aston Villa season where it looks it looks like that they might be going down. Well, we'll never know this whole coronavirus thing going on. Um I think out of the entire Villa team, it's been a disappointing season, he's the only real bright spark in there. He's been linked with moves to the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United. Uh, but yeah, he's made 149 games for the club, scored 20 only 22 goals in that time, which actually surprised me. But uh, playing that number 10 role, I think he deserves to be going to the Euro 2021 with England as well. Uh, after choosing England over Ireland, which is a massive... It's a it, it's a big win, that is, for England, uh, for Gareth Southgate. And I'm sure he'll be on that plane. And, yeah, that's why I put him at number eight, really. I would say something about Jack Grealish, but I've got him higher up on my list, so I'll talk to him for a bit. OK, then. Uh, who've you got for number seven, then? Um, so, I've, well, I say I've got a top ten. I've kind of got a top nine, because I've put two at number six. So I know yours is number seven. I'm on number six at the minute. OK, all right. So I've put two. It's but complicated. Connor Cord. So I put Connor Cord here. All right. And uh, Billy Sharp and Levin all put together. Yeah, I, I put Billy Sharp in there. So I've kind of put them all as like one long one long band as such. Because obviously we know Wolves are sixth in the league. Sheffield United are seventh in the league. Yeah. And Connor Cody has been an ever-present for Wolves, um, as I think you said earlier. Mm. He's just he's just been there. He's always on form, and overall, I think he's a really good defender and a really good captain for Wolves as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And then 
I've gone for Sheffield United with obviously Billy Sharp and Oliver Norwood. Mainly Oliver Norwood because Billy Sharp, I think, I think he's only made one actual start this season. I think most of his appearances have been off the bench, but in that time he has scored three goals in very limited games, as I said. Yeah. But if we look at Oliver Norwood, his stats this season, he's got one goal, 17 shots. Now, he's got no, no assists, which... You know, he's a midfielder, you expect him to have at least one, two, maybe three assists. Yeah, he probably would. But he has played 1,500 passes this season, mm. um, 183 accurate long balls. And overall, I think Oliver Norwood, he does control the park for Sheffield United and it helps he helps the game move on for them. Yeah. I do think he's a vital part of their system, he's which like, is why I've put, put them quite high up. He's that like transition between defence and attack, really. Uh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I put. Um, I also I agree with that about the Billy Sharp. I only put Billy Sharp in there because I've gone and thought Transfer Market said I haven't put uh, who's actually captain like and all that. But I've gone and thought Transfer Market said with Billy Sharp. Uh, and obviously Sharp, he um, started his career at Sheffield United like Jack Grealish, but that was that was I don't know. I'm quickly search up. It was a very long time ago to, to say the least. It's quite old now, obviously. Uh, but he's been for a lot in his um, career. Obviously, the, the death of his son, I think it was, and he. Um, I've just searched the wrong footballer. Anyway, it don't matter. Right, Billy Sharp, yeah, he's um, a very good footballer. He's scored 98 goals in 235 games, uh, which obviously uh, he's played, he's had three spells at the Blades, uh, started his career there, then joined them, I think it was in his third or fourth club. And obviously his most recent stint after joining from Leeds most recently. But he's been at the club since League One. I remember him scoring against Bradford City uh, back then and seeing how he's brought his club all the way to the Premier League. It's really been a great story about him. Uh, the club at this part, so alongside uh, obviously Wilder, the Sheffield um, United manager. But yeah, I think he's got a really good story about him. I really like him as a captain. He's a sort of I don't I don't want to swear, but he's that sort of S housery that you want from a from your captain to be fair yeah, to him. Yeah, definitely. He's that sort definitely, of that yeah. sort of player. Uh, but yeah, that's why I put him in number seven. Yeah. I haven't put him that higher because obviously, like Josh says, he isn't really playing that much this season. But at one point, he was actually my number two, but completely fallen off since then. Uh, so, who have you put as your number six then, seen as I did two number whatever I did? Uh, I've gone for Martin Noble of West Ham United. Um, again, uh, he's played 433 games to the club. He's been contracted to them for the past 16 years. Again, started his career at them. He's had two launch balls, I think it was. Uh, but he's just, he's that midfielder. He's a hard ball winning midfielder. Uh, he's that man that, no matter what he does at West Ham, they'll probably always love him, unless he went on to move to like big London rival that they've got but he'll probably never do it he'll probably finish his career at the Hammers most likely he's uh, scored the fourth not a bit now innit yeah I think he's 32 now he's scored the fourth most penalties in the Premier League ever in the history uh, Benman is still playing so that could always go up as well uh, I think he's a great midfielder it's that sort of player you want your team the leader uh, he'll get the players going uh, been there 16 years so he's not undoubtedly got experience uh, he's very mature he's just a, he's got a quality captain and that's why I put him at number 6 Right, so now on to number five, and I have gone for Cesar Azpilicueta of Chelsea. Oh, okay. So I've gone for it because this season Chelsea have played a very young squad. Mm. They've got a lot of youth players and things. I've never made a senior appearance for Chelsea, and then have come in this season and started. And at one point this season, well, I wouldn't say Reese James knocked him off his post and sent him to the bench, but he certainly made Azpilicueta change position. Yeah. So at the start of the season, Aspilicueta was playing right back. 
Frank Lampard played Rhys James against Ajax. He was amazing and has kept him on pretty much ever since moving as for the quarter to left back where Chelsea are very poor and I'd like to say he's adapted quite well. So this season he's kept four clean sheets, he's made 64 tackles and 50 interceptions and considering as a fullback who's meant to be pushing forward, he's also made 130 recoveries which for me is he's, he's quite he's very good. Yeah, he's a great, great captain to refer to. He's just bring, he just brings the experience into the youth kind of set up that Chelsea are going for at the minute. And mm. overall, I think I think he is a very, very good captain. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, I've put, I've gone for Troy Deeney, the um, Watford captain. I was just trying to find something then, uh, hence why uh, I wasn't really focusing on what I was saying, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> sorry for that. Uh, but yeah, obviously, it was Troy Deeney who scored that goal, if you all know what I'm on about, against Leicester in a dramatic uh, victory in the British playoff semi-final, I think it was. Uh, Jonathan Hogg, Troy Deeney! Yeah, I know. What a goal. That is probably one of the best moments in football history. I, mean, that, I, think I see that as... From a Leicester penalty. <laughs> Can you imagine being that being part of those Watford fans in the away and that would be absolutely that'd be that'd be incredible, that would. Uh, but yeah, obviously Deeney's played 358 games for Watford, scored 120, 120 goals in that time. Uh, and whilst Watford haven't had a great season, he's been he's been he's been one of the better players, uh, alongside obviously Sarah on the wings, supplying those balls into him. He was named captain in twenty fourteen. Um I don't think, sorry, Josh just looked a bit <laughs> anyway, uh, he named captain in 2014, so he's been captain for all this time. Uh, I just see him as a he's just ever present for Watford. He's been there since Championship days, and he's just a great player, to be honest with you. Biograph, I think he's a captain. <laughs> he's a really good captain. I, I think he's an underrated player. You're right. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> uh, Who have you got number four then, Josh? I've got Harry Maguire. Oh, okay. oh I feel like he's not even on my list. No, I've, I've moved him up my list. At one point, he was 11, but then we put him down to 10, so I have to move him up to 4. Oh, OK, all right. Anyway. Um, I, um, I think, I, I don't know, since Ashley Young left in January, I think he's been a very good player for Man as I think he has been all season. You know, at the start, some would argue that he didn't really live up to the hype of his £80 million price tag, but I do think he's come into it a lot this season. He has made eight clean sheets, 32 tackles and 54 interceptions with 192 recoveries. And if you're a centre-back, you don't really want to be doing many tackles. You merely want to be interceptions because nowadays you don't really see many on the floor for um, centre-halves. You just see them getting the blocks in from shots and just intercepting the player. But I think mm. since he has taken the armband from Man U, I think he's... He's taken it with a lot of weight that it does hold because of who's been captain of the club in the past. The likes of your, your Roy Keane, your Wayne Rooney, yeah. big, big names. And I think he could be the next one. I really do think he's definitely got the potential to live up to a big name like that. Yeah, but he's definitely got the potential for it. I mean, cost in how much were it? 80-odd million were it? 80 million from Leicester. Mm. Yeah, he, I think eventually will live up to that price tag, hopefully. Uh, I've gone for quite a surprise to win here, which we were actually joking about before. I've gone for Bourne of Simon Francis. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, here we are on this one. Simon Francis has made 295, just shy of 300 appearances for Bournemouth. And whilst, admittedly, his quality is not up there with the likes of Asp- Aspi, Laqueta, uh, Connor Cody, uh, even Wes Morgan of Leicester City, <laughs> he's been at the club for the past eight years, since 2012. He's really on the armband. Uh, it was with them in League One, helped them get promotion from League One, helped them get promotion for the Championship, helped them secure the place in the Premier League. Started his career at the mighty Bradford City, of course. 
yeah, um, I just think he's one, of those, he's one of those ones where he's a leader. He'll finish off his career at Bournemouth more slightly. He's, get, he's getting on a bit now, quite old. I think he's 30, 32, I want to say, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, I just think he's, <laughs> he's not one that you look at out of all captains and go, he's decent. Because I'm not looking at him for how good he is as a player. I'm looking at him for his loyalty to the club. He's, um, he's a captain. He's a captain of Bournemouth, and I'm sure that'll last for the, um, well, for the, the future. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On to number three. I've gone for David Silver of Manchester City. Ooh, love you. All right. So, obviously, it's his last season at the club. Mm. We don't know when that season will end, but it's going to be his last season. <laughs> before he goes to Spain or wherever he's going to go. Uh, he has contributed three goals and seven assists this season with a surprising 961 passes. Now, that's not as many of you like to be Kevin De Bruyne, no. but at the end of the day, he hasn't played as many games because, you know, he's, he's knocking on now. He's 34. Mm. Um, born two days after... No, he's not born two days after me. I got that horribly wrong. Um <laughs> But I think since he joined back in 2010, I think he has has been arguably the greatest Premier League midfielder ever. Or certainly one of. Big statement, that. I I agree with it. I think he is one of the best midfielders a Premier League has ever seen, both creatively and just being there and being with the team and what he's doing. And I do think this season he has been a very, very good captain for them. Yeah, well, I, um, I'm not going to say much more, but I've gone for Chelsea captain uh, Cesar Azpilicueta. I um, otherwise known as Dave. People call him apparently Chelsea. I'm not going to say obviously Josh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? call him Dave apparently. I don't know that. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say much more than Josh has because obviously he's already talked about him. Uh, but obviously, 262 games with clubs won in that time as a captain. Well, I don't know if Sol was as a captain, but he's won two Premier Leagues. He's one... been captain this season, last season, and before that was Vincent Company. Ah, oh, wait, at Chelsea. No, I'm on about uh, oh. Azpilicueta. No, he's been captain for a while, since John Terry. Okay, all right, well, he's played 262 games, won two Premier Leagues, one FA Cup, one League Cup, and two Europa Leagues. What much more can you say? Uh, so, yeah, we'll move straight away on to number two. Uh, where I, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to say much because I've actually gone for David Silva. Just going to leave what Josh, leave with what, you, with what Josh said. We're debatably, one of the best midfielders in Premier League history. So, Josh, who have you got for number two? Jack Grealish. Oh, oh, all right, okay. My, my number eight. So, this season, he has seven goals, six assists for a struggling Aston Villa side. Yeah. And I really do think he is one for the future. He's young. I think he is 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And overall, he is 24, yeah. And overall, I think he's a very, very, very good midfielder and captain at the end of this Boyle club. I'm not going to say much more because you already have. But yeah. I do think he will move on at the end of the season to a big club and I reckon at one point he could captain that team as well yeah I think he's got to move on if Villa go down and he stays with them I think it's, it could seriously damage his career as a footballer even if they stay up I think they'll go yeah well, I can't see him being a good fit for Man United to be fair alongside Bruno Fernandes uh, even Freddie who's found form that'd be that'd, be, that'd work quite well for him uh, now I know for a fact me and Josh have already gone for the same number one um, so <laughs> Undoubtedly, in my well, in my personal opinion, anyway, this guy has to be number one. The next Steven Gerrard, Jordan Henderson. You've gone through him, haven't you? I think he's better than Steven Gerrard, and I have okay, yeah, <laughs> <for> Jordan Henderson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously, we're both on Jordan Henderson. Um, do you want to talk about him? Um, yeah, can do. I've got okay. some stats here. So this season, he's contributed three goals, five assists, 
with just over 1,500 passes. He's kept eight clean sheets in his games this season. And as we've seen, when he did get injured a couple of weeks or months ago, Liverpool's form dropped off dramatically. They ended up losing the first round of the Champions League to Atletico Madrid. Mm. Um, lost one or two league games, I think, and struggled to beat West Ham without him as well. I do, do think he's a vital part of Liverpool's midfield. And as a captain, he is extraordinary. You know, captain fantastic. I've taken that name from Vincent Company, I know. Oof. And slapped it on Jordan Henderson's head. But I really do think he is one of Liverpool's best captains. And if not on par with, certainly better than Steven Gerrard, if he could have brought home the Premier League this season, which we don't know if they will. But I think that, in my opinion, would make him better. Yeah, Steven uh, Yeah, obviously you got to look at the likes of um, you look at Liverpool team, Sadio Mane, uh, Firmino, uh, even Mo Salah. You never really think of Henderson as one of those players, but he, he undoubtedly is. He's really proved himself as Liverpool captain. Like you say with that West Ham result, how they struggled. Um, yeah, I mean he's just a great player. And I'm sorry, I was just texting one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's oh. he's the captain of Liverpool say, for the time being, and I think like I just said, he'll be. Right now, I won't say he's better than Gerard, but I think he will eventually be better than Gerard. All right, so that brings this week's episode of Football Weekly to a close. Uh, obviously, there's not really much going on right now with football, so we'd like to apologise. Well, we can't really apologise, but it's not really our fault. Uh, but for the foreseeable future, we're not too sure how episodes are going to work because we've not much going on in, the, in terms of weekly football. There's not really much to talk about. So if, if you haven't made it this far... Uh, and you can possibly let us know in our Twitter comments section, if that makes sense, any topics we could talk about. But if not, next week's episode is in jeopardy because we're not too sure what we're going to talk about. If there is an episode, there'll be an episode. If not, then you understand why we've no football going on. Um, as usual, I'd like to thank the co-host, Joshua Sykes. Thanks for having me again, Gab. Uh, no worries. And hopefully Henry will eventually be back with us, but he might be dodging us a bit right now, but we're not too sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you all for listening, and we will see you possibly next week, possibly not. We'll see you again sometime.